It's the most crucial day of this grueling international competition. 1,700 brilliant young minds are gathered to claim the top prize, but they have just a few minutes to sell their idea to the judges. Barred from the room during the highly charged pitch sessions, Dr. Serena McKellar is here to represent one of the best teams in the world. In this ultra-competitive scene, having one or two students competing is unbelievable. This famous science teacher has a staggering nine. The stakes are very high this year at the science fair. I knew I couldn't go back. Changes your you just life. put it out there. She said you've got less than a year to just live. Even Luck is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That I. was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Cogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators. People who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to tick it before you kick it. And that's something I teach my kids. You can't be afraid to fail. Science is a bunch of failures. Before we figure out a cure to whatever, someone, a lot of people actually, have failed along the way. And I don't think we tell the kids that enough. The International Science and Engineering Fair is affectionately known as the Olympics of Science Fairs. And it plays out like a teen drama starring the smartest kids on the planet. This science fair is the world's largest international high school science competition, and last year, 1,700 of the brightest scientific teenage minds from 78 different countries faced off in a fierce competition for about $4 million in prizes. And of course, no high school high-stakes drama is complete without the inspirational superhero at the center of it all. I was lucky enough to sit down with the no-nonsense powerhouse Dr. Serena McKellar from Jericho High School in New York, who has dedicated her life working insanely long hours to make sure that her students qualify for the most prestigious high school competition in the world. All right, we still good, Scott? I'm gonna yeah. slate it. All right, beautiful. All right, well, first of all, I just wanna thank you for coming in because we met just before the screening of the Science Fair film, which you became a star in. And do you remember where we met? Of course, at the door. I couldn't and, wait to meet you. Yeah, and you came <laughs> up to me and, and you said you're a big fan of oh, Amazing yeah. Race. And I didn't know you at the time, but now I'm a big fan of yours because I saw the film <laughs> and you just shine bright like a diamond in that film. I mean, you stand out and it's, what a great film. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, they caught great scenes of my life. And man, have you got like an expressive face and... <laughs> And boy, are you expressive in that classroom. And, <laughs> and what an amazing eye-opening film it was just because it was a window into a world that I never even knew existed. I love that, uh, that kids are so engrossed in something like that, that passion, and you just see it just pours out on the screen. I agree. I love it. I love what I do. I love um, the idea of challenging students to become excellent in science. So it's, it's actually fun. It's not even really a job to me sometimes. I feel like I'm just going to go play with the kids, you know? So it's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, what I think is very evident in the film is, yes, the kids are competitive and the kids want to win and all the rest of it. But I think you're more competitive than the kids. <laughs> I think you I want the win more than... And the maybe kids. they do. I tell them that. I say, when you win, I won too. Yeah. You know, I feel like I won. Yeah, you get the prize or the prize money, whatever it is, but I won because I know you won. So yeah, I am competitive. I, do, I definitely feel like I'm in the fray 
I do. <laughs> you are arguably the best science teacher in the world. I mean, when you think about the champions that you've produced, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have some great ones. I have a couple of Rhodes Scholars. I definitely believe I will have a Nobel Prize winner one day. You've changed people's lives. They've changed my life too. So the, the film I said is called Science Fair. It's out right now. Uh, I, I suggest people see it because it's just one of those wonderful documentaries that makes you feel good, good about the world and the future. And to see that the world is in the hands of these young people, it's you know so inspirational. The International Science and Engineering Fair. What is it? How would you describe it to people? It is um, the best and brightest young minds around the world. They come together for a week. And before they actually get there, and that's what the movie kind of shows the process of getting there too, um, they have to compete at either a regional or a national or, um, fair in order to win placement into the International Science and Engineering Fair. So these students can be, have been working on a project for 12 months. And as a result of that, they've learned how to present it, how to sell it, um, the science behind it. A lot of them are original ideas. The year that Science Fair was taped, um, 500 patents were awarded for the students. From that, high school kids. <laughs> so these kids are the future. They're innovative. They're thinkers. They're, they're motivated. They have phenomenal ideas. Even so much to me, sometimes even better than what I see from undergrads, in the laboratory because they, they're driven to, to be successful. They know that whatever this product is, whatever they're presenting to the judges is a really good idea and they want everybody to, to believe it. So they're really, really like trying to promote whatever this thing is and it, it, it works. It really they're, they're works. They're fearless. That's what you see. They have no, no. They have no fear about trying something new yeah. and different. And, and that's something I teach my kids. You can't be afraid to fail. I said, we're going to fail all the time. Science is a bunch of failures. Before we figure out a cure to whatever, someone, a lot of people actually have failed along the way. And yeah. it's okay. Because when you fail, you're actually learning. Yeah. So who cares if you, you mess up? It's yeah. fine to mess up. And I don't think we tell the kids that enough. I, I agree with you. I feel like there's too much emphasis on what people term to be failure rather than seeing that Failure is, it's just such a negative word, it has such a negative yes. connotation, but it's such an, it's the necessary step that needs to be taken to get to making something work. Absolutely. Right? Of course. Every time you mess up, you figure out, okay, this is not the right way. I, was I always tell the kids with my master's thesis, yeah. I was wrong. My data showed that my hypothesis was incorrect. I still have my master's degree. It didn't fail me out of my degree, right. it just showed that this was not a treatment option for the disease that I was presenting. And so. how many times in science and in discovery has someone been going down one path to try to discover something and then they, re they stumble on something else? Absolutely. Penicillin. Yes. It was a mistake. Right. We wouldn't have had penicillin if it wasn't for the fact that he knocked over uh, the mold into the bacterial plate. And for the win, we now have antibiotics. He failed really well. He failed very well. <laughs> I, I give him 100% for that right. failure. Me too. <laughs> you win. Yeah. One of the things you notice in, in the film, and you mentioned this, just that the best and brightest are coming from all over the world. We're talking about millions of kids, right? That are, that where, if you think of where it starts, yes. and from the millions, you're suddenly culling the millions down into the elite few. 1,700. And those 1,700 minds that come from all over the world, 
for you, you've obviously, you're in the corner of your kids, but you must also feel like this wonderful feeling too when you see others. Oh yeah. Right? It's so much fun. They have a public day after the kids are judged and that public day you just get to walk around to any kid's booth and talk to them so some of the the stories that got them there are amazing why they're doing their research oh my brother has this disease or my dad has this disease or um this is just something that's not available in my country so we designed it or we have this problem in our country or our town so you hear the backstory and it makes it all the better you know they say uh, necessity is the root of all invention of right mm -hmm. and my father is a scientist, he's a plant scientist. And when I was a kid, I got to travel with him to a lot of developing countries. And he would always tell me, if you want to look for innovation and you want to look for ingenuity, then just look at those who don't have That's right. the ability to reach into their wallet and buy a solution. They have to find the solution mm -hmm. here. And there seems to be a real correlation between amazing ideas and those people who have come from a challenging upbringing or you know come from a, a background where they can't just buy their way no. to solutions i think the reason why i'm so successful at jericho is because i know what it's like to struggle my parents being immigrants we didn't have a lot and i always knew that if i was going to be successful i would have to work really hard because i, I didn't have the an easy road to success and I kind of train my students the same way. You know, a lot of my students' parents are also immigrants or first-generation American, and they've sacrificed a lot. They may have left their home, they may have left their family to come here, and, and I, de I definitely say to them, you know, it's our responsibility to do better. You know, there's so much controversy right now around this whole idea of immigration, and look, I'm from New Zealand, your family's originally from Jamaica. If it wasn't for immigrants, we would have missed out on so much. And I'm not sure if people make that connection, Connection, right? I love America because it's a melting pot. Yeah. So why would we want to change that? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. So your mother would have grown up with the English education system, right? Correct. Jamaica being part of the Commonwealth. I grew up in Antigua and also where they had the British system. And we used to have these little exercise books with the queen on the on the front. And on the back was the tens, 10 times table. And I think of the type of learning that we grew up with compared to the type of learning that you're sharing with your kids, which is less about that rote learning and more about that fluid learning. I see it when you're with your kids, you're encouraging them, listen, you've got something special, let's get that out. Right. How important is it for kids to learn outside of the structured system and be more fluid thinking? I think that that is where we're going. And the school education system has to modify, has to morph, because these children are learning differently than you and I. Yeah. You know, I, I did learn the same way, memorize this. And I could honestly probably graduate without my teachers. Yeah. Because if you just read the book, you can answer the questions, you're going to do well and graduate. But now you have to be an innovator. You have to be a thinker. You have to be able to take multiple ideas. And, and I always tell my kids, it's like you're taking small pieces of a puzzle yeah. and you're putting a puzzle together. And that's just selling the whole puzzle. And that's how we have to train them to think because that's really, honestly, that's where society's going. You can Google anything you want. You know, the, the fundamentals have to be taught. And, but once you have the fundamentals, the rest of it is how well do you manipulate everything that's being thrown at you? And I don't know if education is doing that so do you, well. Do you often think about wasted, like the potential that's wasted because 
we say to our kids, this is where you must go to school, this is what you must learn, and that we're not looking at that individual and saying, well, what's special about this kid? You know, right. maybe they're not good at just rote learning, but there's something about this kid, and how do we tap into that? It's so funny because some of my students, the other teachers would say, well, they're not doing so well in my class, and I'm like, well, they're striving in mine, and they're flourishing in my class, but I think it's because I don't allow my students to do anything that they don't want to do. Mm. I literally start my session of classes because I have three years of the students. Mm -hmm. I use, I literally start by saying we will not do any science work that you're not passionate about. So don't ask me what I like. Don't ask me what I want you to do. I need you to figure out what you love and then we'll work. And, and in the film you see in science fair, you see some kids who really are not excelling at all in the standard education system, but then there's this brilliance about yes, them. absolutely. And that, that comes through loud and clear, mm -hmm. which only, again, says we need to look at the individual, and that's the importance of a great teacher. Yes. Yeah. I definitely have a very diversified classroom. Yeah. Every kid is doing something else. It's almost comical because I can have, in five minutes, five conversations about five different topics, and People on the outside are like, what's happening right now? Yeah. <laughs> and I literally am running with five different 10, 20, depends on how many kids are in the room, different ideas in, in a 40 minute period. And that's fun, actually. I love my class because I'm always learning too. And we see the, the, just how much you love your students. I do. And when all of us look back on our education, there's always a teacher or maybe two that stand out. The ones that seem to take the time to really connect and you, you never forget that, right? And for you, you mentioned you can see that you're, you really believe that you're going to have a Nobel Peace Prize winner, right? Or you're going to have... Nobel Prize, definitely. You're, you're going to see your students do really, really well. You believe in them. I do. I and believe that we were, those kids are changing the world. What I does a teacher it. want in return from their kids? What, what, is the, what's the, what means the most to you when you share your heart and soul with your kids? What is it that you want most from them in return? I want them to remember and to pay it forward, to do the same for someone else down the road. I, I, I listen to them and they're, they're going to the best and brightest schools. They're, they're achieving great lengths, the ones who have gone on and have followed their trajectory through education and now as professionals in industry. And they always remember and, and they are doing good things and they are paying it back. And that's, that's all I can ask. In terms of your success at the International Science Fair competition. How how well have your students done? And you're allowed to show off because you work hard to be able to show off right now. We do very well. Like, I on. think um, by far, from what I've heard, we have the most winners for any school in the world, I think. <laughs> we do, we do well. I can't deny it. I'm, I'm very proud of our track record. You look at winners, you see Jericho, 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 right? I mean, it's a, it, does, it, does it keep you up at night before the competition? Like, oh man, we have to win again. And yeah, I was a little nervous because this year I spent a lot of time with the film and I was a little afraid. I was actually telling... Distracted? I was, I, it, but it was good. It was a good distraction because sometimes I'm so narrow focused that I forget to have a life. And... Being busy, I was also worried. I was saying to myself, what if I failed this group of kids who I love, you know, this year because I didn't, I wasn't always there for them, right. but we did well. In terms of the preparation, you say there's so little time for the judges to process that anything you do that sounds confusing 
will make it confusing. Right. So you, you keep drilling in over and over again. What are some of the things that you do to prepare them to be really good? Because they only have a short window to impress the judges, right? They have seven to eight minutes for the most part to do their spiel about whatever their research was from beginning to end. And then you want a time frame to be questioned by the judge so that they can challenge your understanding of science and the rationale for what you're doing. So I have to kind of take these big grandiose ideas that some of the students have been working on for 12 months or even multiple years and narrow it down now to seven minutes. So we basically start off with a big picture and then we just chop it down. We keep taking out the minutiae, anything that's not directly correlated to a, a goal, we take it out and everything mirrors everything else. These are also kids that are growing up with a lot of emotions. You know, they're dealing with everything else, boy, girl trouble mm -hmm. and, and maybe their sexuality and they're trying to find themselves at the same time you're trying to drill in on them. And you, so you're playing with the emotions. Yeah. I mean, some of my day is not even about their project. Some of my day is just, they're trying to decompress because they're getting pressures from maybe mom and dad about their GPA and how is all this time in the research room hindering, you know. And it does, class. doesn't it? And it does. Of course it does. Yeah. You can't spend 20 hours on one idea when you have 15 other ideas that you must also deal with. So I understand that. And I tell the kids, there's ebbs and flows. Yeah. Some days I'm going to come after you with a vengeance <laughs> and kind of make sure that you're... But, but, but that's needed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... In a generation not so long ago, gosh, 10 years ago, you remember when everything was about everybody getting a medal and everybody winning? Yes. I, I saw a piece once where there was a soccer tournament. And everybody got a and prize. And there were 500 people in the soccer tournament and everybody got the same medal. And I was like, what kind of a lesson is that? Exactly. And, and that's you, true too. You have to train them that you may not win. Yeah, and that's okay. And it is okay. It's it's okay to look and admire somebody who is better than you. That's right. And go, well, what is it that makes them better? That's right. And, and why did they win and why didn't I win? Right. And if you really want the win, then what do you need to do to get there? Yeah. Because you just can't say, oh, I didn't win and give up. <laughs> have you ever had a situation where it's a love-hate thing and then you feel like, oh my goodness, I pushed too hard. Yes. Like I broke their emotion. I broke their, I broke their spirit. I had a young lady ask me before she left, she said, um, are we going to win? And I told her, no. And I know that that's not what she expected me to say. And I said, I'm going to tell you why I said no, though. And when she left, I felt bad. So I saw her on Monday and I said, I want to apologize. I should have been so direct with saying what I said, but I'm going to tell you why I said it and why I believe what I, what I said. Yeah. And I explained it to her and she, she told me, she said, no, I appreciate it because a lot of times people don't tell me the truth. You know, yeah. they, they don't want us to know that we may fail. And, and I had to tell her and unfortunately she didn't win. Well, this speaks again to the idea that it, mediocrity is, is, is not something we should settle for. And and for that generation that we're told that they were as good as the next person when they weren't, you're doing, we're hurting them. You're doing the kids a disservice. Because then when they get out in the real world and they realize that they're not the greatest, as they were told, that messes with the head. It does. There's a lot of mental health issues related to the fact that we haven't been honest. Do you feel that there's been a shift back to more of the tough love, more of the honest teaching? I think the better teachers are being honest. Yeah. I think that sometimes it's easier to say, okay, everybody's phenomenal, everybody gets an A+. Plus. Because if you give everybody an A+, plus, nobody questions what you're doing in the room. Right. But to be honest, is work. Because yeah. now you have to help them to get better. 
and that takes a lot of effort. And you can't push people to do new and different things if you're not challenging them to be better. That's right. Because there, where's the standard? There has to be a higher standard that you're aiming for, That's right? right. <laughs> Even but, my kids who don't win the competitions are very successful because the, the echelon of success is so high that even if they don't win the competition, they're going to be really great at whatever it else that they're going to do because yeah. they now know what it looks like to really strive and succeed at something. So winning is secondary to me, to them really finding their confidence and trusting themselves that they can be great at something. But this speaks to the fact that you're like the psychologist as well, right? Because you really are, you're taking, you're looking in, into their soul and trying to figure out, well, what's different about this person? That one-on-one -on -one connection that you have, a lot of teachers don't have that ability because the classroom maybe is too big. Yeah. They can't pull the individuals out of the room. No. Does that worry you in terms of the potential for losing amazing minds because we don't identify the last thing I wanted to do was to become a teacher. I felt like this profession in this country is so underappreciated and it's under-respected. And I, I honestly never tell people that I'm a teacher. Even to this day, I, I say I'm the research coordinator, but I, I rarely say that I'm a teacher because in is my mind- Is there a mind, stigma? It, I definitely think there's a stigma in this country. One, if it was important to this country, why would you pay teachers $30,000? People have master's degree. I know in New York, you must have a master's degree in order to teach. But the starting salary is like $28,000, $30,000. Who, what? <laughs> I just paid for tuition for six years of education. And now you're going to reward me by giving me $30,000. That's a problem. You know, the best and brightest minds are not going to say it's okay for me to now get paid $30,000 annually. Um, as a result of my excellence. So honestly, I'm lucky. I work in a school district that is very well funded. Right. I don't know of many school districts in New York City who have a full-time research teacher. Right. You know, yeah, a full-time biology teacher, but not a research teacher. So again, I, I, it is about the haves and the have-nots because as I would love every kid in New York City to have an opportunity to see if science research is even something they're interested in. Right. I went to school in New York City. I didn't know about these competitions. Can you imagine? Like, this is all I do all day now. And you would and have crushed it, by the I way. I would have killed it. Yeah, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but they would, I, everybody would have turned up, seen you, and they'd be like, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, gone. I, it used to be funny. Like, when Jericho came in, they would be like, oh, Jericho's here. Really? The yeah, they knew it. They, they knew it. Because you have this coming. thing called the look. <laughs> now, you know on Amazing Race, and I know you're a fan of Amazing I Race. Amazing I, have, Race. I have the browsy. You do. <laughs> which is this. Yes. Which is when I'm going to give a, deliver some stern information. <laughs> you have your own thing going on, which is called the look. Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, kind of like that. See, that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> that look right there. And when do you use the look? What's what? what? I, I use the look when they are not being the best that they can be. I expect excellence and they know it. I expect them to do everything that they have been trained to do and not to falter. Mm. Period. There is no exception. I feel sorry for anybody who gets <laughs> in your way. Yeah, because I'm going to win. Why do you think it's important for, for people to see this film and to see this world? 
Honestly, I think that we should encourage the younger generation to get started in science earlier so that we don't have so many um, misconceptions about hmm. science. And What are those misconceptions? <laughs> that global warming is not real. Right. I, it baffled me. I actually had a Uber driver and his, he was telling me about his son and he was so proud of his son who was at MIT and that he was a first generation immigrant to the United States. We were having a really good conversation. And then he asked me at the end of the ride, so I just want to ask you because, you know, you're a scientist and I don't usually have scientists in my car. Is global warming real? And I was baffled. And I'm like, your son is at MIT. You still don't believe that global warming is real? Mm. And, and, and it's the truth. And I think that we need to deconstruct some of these misconstrued ideas that if we don't get them early, really snowball and become truths that are really, really hard to negate even as far as into the government or other leaders that really don't understand the truths in science that they need to understand. I think that as people are seeing dramatic changes, like the wildfires here in California are gonna yep. get worse, um, the temperature swings in countries where certain countries now, their, their water levels are gonna rise to a part where they're gonna have to move. Um, as it gets larger and worse, we're going to be forced to make some dramatic changes. And that, I guess, is going to be the next impetus for the change. The sad part of all of this is that it's a lot of the developing countries that are going to suffer first. Absolutely. Low-lying islands in the Pacific and in, in, in the People Caribbean. People who don't have much are going to hurt the most. Uh, the film, Science Fair. I wondered if you could take us into that day when millions of ideas from young people have all culminated with this big day where 1,700 of the brightest and the best from all over the world come to the event for final judging. You've done everything you can. Just take us into that day. Where is it normally held? Like in a big convention hall? A huge convention center. In, it, in different places around the United States. Yes. Um, it is amazing. And I don't know how else to describe is it. Is it like Super Bowl for you? It's, it's better. Okay. And I love Super Bowl. I love football. But it's better because this is work that is going to shape the world. So when you look at it from that perspective and the Super Bowl, it's not just entertainment. It's something bigger. Ugh, I love it. I love it. I love it every year. I tell the kids I come back. It reinvigorates me. I'm like pushing them and I'm challenging them. I even take like video and I snapshots and I, I always share it with them because I want them to see it so that they can say, okay, this is where I'm aspiring to go. And, I, and again, I think that helps with our school success. I make the kids come in and talk to the other kids about it because it's like nothing else. The kids literally say, it's a week that will change your life mm. because now you're interacting with kids who are just like you, but from all over the world. You mentioned the, the 500 patents, right? What, what happens at these events that changes the course of the lives of these young people? Are there... Are, are there people from business, all walks of business oh, yes. that come in, they want to see what's going on? So part of the, and to me, the more important day is the, the special awards ceremony. And you have every country being represented, but also you have a plethora of big name corporations, see, uh, top, you know, top 500 com companies giving prizes. So now they're meeting these kids. They're leaving their business cards with these kids. So now these kids- Is that crazy? It's crazy. It's a in a great A Fortune 500 way. company is yes. giving a business card to a teenager. Google. My kids have gotten Google internships from going to ISEF. Intel 
um, internships, Regeneron internships. I mean, some of the best genetic companies are there giving the prizes and their company leaders are leaving their business cards with 17 year olds talking about, okay, well next summer, why don't you come work with us? Well, I think what's great about the film is the different kids that they chose to profile in the film and so diverse yes um, and all of them highly motivated for different reasons Absolutely. like you said motivated because there's an illness in the family and they want to do something to help ideas that will change the world and and um Kashfia, who who's a muslim girl um and uh she's at a, a massive sports obsessed high school where she's in the shadows sure. and yet there she's probably the the best of the best in her certainly the best of the best in her chosen field, but a, a shining light at the high school, and yet people don't even know who she is. Kashfia had attended ISEF since a freshman. She'd been there ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. And that's grade, highly and that's unusual? Very unusual. It's very hard to make it there at all, never mind to make it there repeated years when she had very little support. So just the, the fact that she made it there every year, and I'm not going to give it away, but she did very well, um, and the school really doesn't recognize her for it. But, why um, is that? What is the, what's the hesitant? Why, it's, why it's a be, mindset. Yeah. It's, the school, all they see is football. You know, they don't see, I guess, the best and brightest in other realms. They only see football. And unfortunately, she wasn't in football. She. Well, I love football. Me too. And I think sports are very important for, for the minds of young people. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like there needs to be a shift to also recognize kids that are often labeled as nerds gifted gifted mm -hmm. tell us about uh, robbie he's that the, the, that math genius from uh, west virginia um loves loud t-shirts he's mischievous <laughs> um, nearly failed out of high school this is a guy who ends up with the best and the brightest and he mm -hmm. nearly fails out of high school i he couldn't get accepted to any colleges this is crazy, right? He, because his average is so low. Yeah. But he's absolutely brilliant. He's doing an art show literally right now in Paris. Really? Literally. He was on the cover of Bloomberg Weekly. And so here, this is a perfect example of sometimes people come in different wrappings and that's okay. Absolutely. And, and he always says to me, you know, Dr. M, you and I would get along well if I was in your classroom. And I, and I believe we would have. Because if you get to know Robbie... Like if his teachers really just got to know him, they would see how great he was and then they would have to work hard just to make sure his GPA was just a little bit higher so he could have gotten into college. Because he's clearly got the brain, but he's just, he's just focused on something else. Mm -hmm. But again, that, that goes back to your point about sometimes it's okay to let a, a, a young person follow a different path. Absolutely. It, it, you don't have to fit into a template. No. And unless we do, you, that's such a fragile, there's a human being there. That's right. And they're fragile. Yes. And, and there's a little tipping point there, right, where somebody like that could just turn the other way. And be lost. And disappear. Yep. And what's sad is, I don't want it to sound like as if I want all the classrooms to be free for all. But, because I do believe there's some... Structure is Structure important. is very necessary. But I definitely think there's also space to let them just go. Yeah. And figure it out. And, and and honestly, that's what I think is the strength also in my classroom. I, I have structure. There's definitely rules. But I also just say, okay, if let's just try it. And, if and it you push work, back it's... too with that, don't you? you say, do. go figure it out. Mm -hmm. So you're guiding. There must be times 
where you can see the answers, but you want them to figure it out for themselves? There are times that I literally know the answer and I feel so bad for them because they're struggling and they're like, I can't figure this out. And I'm like, there's an answer though, trust me. Cause and I why that. is it important for you to have them figure it out rather than, oh, I'm just gonna give them the answer? Because anything you work at and you earn yeah. is worth more than you. Yeah. I, I have my kids teaching me how to code so I can code and create my own websites when I could just ask them to do it. They'll do it in an hour. but. I don't want them to do it. I want to know how to do it too. So if there's a problem, I can fix it. Right. And if they just give it all to me, I'm always going to have to rely on them. I want to rely on myself. Yeah. And that's what I'm training my kids to do. Do they then connect and, and have you ever heard of any stories where maybe they team up together to go do something, to start businesses definitely. or? Definitely. Some of the kids, they keep their relationships from the International Science and Engineering Fair. They definitely keep the relationships from Regeneron Science Talent Search. I mean, they set up a Facebook page the minute that they find out that they're finalists and they become friends before they even meet each other in person. So it's like a network. It's like an alumni of the, yes. of the science fair thing. That's an amazing network. Yeah. Think about that. The yeah. top 40 brightest brains, math and science in the world. In, I mean, in the nation, friends now. All that potential energy <laughs> sitting right there. What, what, what must be very difficult is, you mentioned, what, seven, eight minutes to pitch to the judges, right? Which is nothing. I mean, gosh, what is that? Uh, uh, 180 words a, a minute multiplied by seven. So we're, we're talking about... It's a very brief summary. A very brief summary of, of something that has tens of thousands of hours of work. of work the the release at the end of all of this once you've poured your heart out to the judges i mean have you for seen them, people faint kashvia literally fainted really yes she literally just from fainted. the pressure just from the stress yeah and and again with we're not thinking sometimes that these they're they're working as adults but these are 15 year olds 16 year olds that's a lot of stress. Yeah. And then you're talking to a PhD who is well-renowned most of the time in their field, in your field, that can catch you. Right. And, and who knows more than you know, who knows what you don't know. Right. Right. And you don't know what they know. And you don't know what, what right. they know. Right. <laughs> so it's scary. And um, even for us, like as a mentor, teacher mentor, I'm you know, biting my nails until they're done. Are you standing close by listening? Are you no, allowed to? Or? They, they block us from going in. Really? Oh You're my God, so you have to, to be in. outside? Oh yes. Uh, do you smoke? No. Maybe you should stop. <laughs> do you bite your nails? <laughs> I um, I just stress, you know, like uh, I'll have a series of I can't deal with this moments and, uh, and then I just sleep. You've said that science fairs have changed the trajectory of some of my students regarding where they end up in college and, the, and also their careers. So th this is a life-changing experience for those who get chosen to go. Again. ISEF is mind-blowing. When you walk into the convention center, it's like you walked into another universe. The, the air changes, the dynamics change, like the technology is there because they bring in, um, in innovations from leading, because I said some of the leading companies are giving money away to the kids. So they're bringing their technologies in, the kids that manipulate. So you'll see things you've never seen. I remember we actually got a preview to a Pixar movie one year at ISEF that didn't come you know, into the theaters until two years afterwards. So we saw the a fresh cut of a Pixar movie. So it's like innovation is on, on top of innovation is all over the place. It's lovely. You just, you feel like, wow, we can't wait to get go. back. 
Like I, I love going. I tell the kids, you have to do well yeah. because I have to go. Because I got to go. <laughs> That's right. Like yeah. I need I to go. I didn't think about that. Of course, if they don't get chosen, then you don't then get, I don't to, get go. to go. No. Yeah. But how many times have you been now? So I've been at Jericho for 10 years. I've been there 10 times. You've also been to Sundance. Yes, I have. Because that was unusual. Science Fair got to go to Sundance. Yes. And I'm just wondering what it's like for you to go from being science teacher to, to being movie this <laughs> movie star at Sundance, Sundance Film Festival. And now you see the film. Was that the first time you'd seen the film? And the first time, obviously, you'd seen it with an audience. Correct. So you're sitting in the audience? In the audience. Yes. I literally am crying because there are parts of the movies where I literally was brought to tears. And then I'm laughing hysterically in some aspects. And then, of course, I'm sitting in fear because I know what they heard. And I am very direct and sometimes extremely assertive with my students. So I was also in fear of that. You were concerned that maybe you'd come across as the, the horrible teacher. Right. Not, not the encouraging not, teacher. Right. Not the encouraging teacher, not the loving teacher, but just this mean lady. And um, that scared me. And and I was honest a little bit about my personal life. And I yep. was like, okay, what is Whoa. in this film? Yeah. So all of those emotions at one time was a lot. Well, I can tell you uh, my review of you and the film is that you you just lit up the screen and I wanted you to be my teacher. Aww. I was like, man, <laughs> I want you to be my teacher. I want to be back at school right now. I want to be in a lab and I want to be, you know, experimenting and doing something and and getting the look from you <laughs> like to encourage me to work until midnight and do the best possible work I could do. That's part of it too. The kids are there with me. Yeah. I'm not there at midnight by myself. Yeah. Do you worry that maybe you've given a few secrets away to other science teachers that they look at that and they go, I'm kidding. I mean, Honestly, I think it's funny because some of the science teachers have reached out yeah. since the film is. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And I have a couple of them come into my camp and they were like, can we just be a bug in a, you know, a yeah. fly in the wall? See I'm how like, you do things. Why not? I'm yeah. not here just to make sure Jericho kids win because if that's, that's not the point. Yeah. If you're in science fair or science competitions just to win, you're missing the whole point of science fair. You have a, a message to the world. You said it's almost like we are anti-science in the U.S. and we've lost our way. Uh, we don't have our value system in the right place. This country will fall if we give up on scientists. Clearly, you have not given up on scientists because you're encouraging people to be scientists. But you really feel like we've lost our way? I think we have. United States should not be ranked 26 and 32 in math and science. We are the best. And we should show the world that we are the best starting with our math and science students. And we, we're not. You think we could come back? I know we can. If you were in charge, let's say you were the president, uh, what would you do? What, what will change this? What will turn this? How do, we, how do we get back to being number one in math and science? I think we need to put our money where our mouth is. You know, if we, we really want to support scientists, we have to support all of the programs that support young scientists. We have to support the teachers. We have to understand education. A lot of education is run by politicians mm -hmm. who don't know education and how to train children. So maybe we should also shift that dynamic too. Um, how about asking the teachers what they need and actually providing it? And what do it. teachers need? I think they need resources and they need time. I mean, I when I first started teaching, I had three jobs because I wanted to buy a house. I shouldn't have to work three jobs to buy a house. And if I'm working three jobs, I can't be at school helping my kids. 
if it wasn't for the fact that my district is is well funded, I wouldn't be able to work there until midnight. I would probably have to have another job so that I can live close enough to work in Jericho. And people who say, well, why should we be giving those resources to the teachers to be able to teach? Really, if what, the teacher's struggling, then the kids are going to struggle. Right, but I guess what you're saying is, look, you've, people need to look at the big picture here and say, you're investing in, in our country's future. This isn't just about a teacher getting resources to teach. It's for a bigger purpose. Everything. We all live better when we have better scientists. And think about how much time the teachers are spending with your children. Mm. I don't want anyone who's not dedicated to my child's success being around my child. Yeah. You know, I don't have kids, but I feel if I was a parent, that would be something that was very important to me. So if this is someone who is going to be around your child eight hours a day, don't you want them to be the best in the best minds? of the best? Yeah. And you are the best of the best. We've seen that. <laughs> right. So I understand that Science Fair is going to air in May on National Geographic. Yes. And then it's going to be on other digital platforms. You just need to look for Science Fair. Absolutely. And they will see you. Yes. And fall in love with you. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Yeah, I have a feeling you're going to get a lot of marriage proposals. Uh, well, I need one. I need a date. Is that right? Yes. Um, is there I'm a very web single. website? You're very single. No, I'm very What's single. very single mean? Meaning that I've been single for a while. Oh, I see. It's I'm over it. Okay. Well, I, I could see some proposals. Brace yourself. Well, you know, you here. never know. <laughs> I uh, I end the the my conversation with people asking them who they would take on a road trip across America in a car. Three people, wow. alive or dead, from any time in history. It's going to be very diverse. My answer. Uh, well, we love diversity. Um, Michelle Obama. Yep. Uh, she's my friend you read in my her head. Book? Of course. I have not read I've it read yet. I've read her but book twice and I saw her. Twice. Of course, I needed to um, because she's my friend in my head. Um, and I know this is going to sound weird, but yes. Jesus. Yep. I would love to have met the person and understand that perspective and how the following came yep. and, and how you can um, attract that much love. Um, and... The last would probably be, and it's going to sound weird, Albert Einstein, just because I think he oh, was... Oh, this is a great carful. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was a little off. Yeah. And I think a good scientist... In a good way. Is, yeah. yeah. I think a good scientist is a little off in a good way. I think you're off in a little way, I am, and I'm, I mean I am, that respectfully. I am off yeah. in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's what makes the world interesting. Mm -hmm. So who's driving the car out of interest? Um, not me. I hate not to you. drive. You hate driving? Um, Maybe Jesus... Jesus, take, take the wheel. Let Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I want somebody that can make me laugh at the wheel. Maybe uh, Kevin Hart or somebody. Somebody funny. We can put Kevin Hart in the boot. Okay, great. And every now and again, when you need a little joke, he can just yell out from the boot just to break it. the mood. I love it. You know, because he can't go in the car because you're only allowed three. All right. And you've already got a pretty good car full. I, I got a great group. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you like to laugh. I do. And if you knew that you were going to have your last day on earth and you could do whatever you wanted with your last day, what would you do with it? Hug everybody I love. Yeah. So this world is hard sometimes. Very hard. And I just want to be at peace with myself and the people I love. You are amazing. I hope you continue to teach and to your last breath. And, <laughs> and I hope we, we get to follow more of your students as they change the world. You've already changed the world and you should be really proud of yourself. And I know it's hard 
Simple. But but uh, it's just awesome to see your passion for teaching. Thank you, Phil. So thank you for talking to me. I appreciate it. Thank and you. I have not forgotten about you as a possibility for the amazing race. Yes. Because I really I need a would... stranger though that is you know good with putting things together. I got the brains. I just need the brawn. Okay. We we can arrange that. There's okay. plenty of that out there. You know. What I'm <laughs> but he has to be a little intellectual because I got to be able to think too. Okay. Does he have to have a six pack? No. Okay. No, I, I'll take an average Joe that knows how to put things together that yeah. has a, a good capacity and a good sense of humor. Definitely. Yeah. Need because a laugh. boy, it's a misery to travel with somebody <laughs> if they don't have a good sense of humor. It's true. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To see more great interviews, go to philcogan.com and subscribe to Bucket with Phil Cogan wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider rating and reviewing us and follow Bucket, that's Bucket with an I-T, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Phil Cogan. See you soon.